Okay, good morning everyone, welcome back. Coming to you live from Summerton, Philadelphia with our community coil over here of Summerton, Philadelphia, continuing in Or Yisrael, a beautiful, um, beautiful Wednesday morning, and uh, we're in the middle of Mikhtav Yadalad, actually towards the end of Mikhtav Yadalad. And yesterday, we saw yesterday was uh, <clears throat> the difference between academic Moser and practical Moser. Most of that is absorbed and internalized, personalized, personalized, and, and most of which is just a limur ba'amo, just a, you know, a, a nice, fascinating study with lots of diukim and inferences and, and, and uh, explorations, but if it's not personal and it's not practical, it's not Musr. And Rabbi Sol said, even an exercise, which is an uplifting exercise, Forget about not learning Musa correctly, but I can achieve Raimamus, Raimamus. I can uplift myself, I can raise myself. Take on more Torah study during Elo. Take on more tzedakah giving during Elo. Take on better davening during Elo that uplifts me and raises me, but again, without Musa, without studying the works of our sages of self-improvement in a very personal, practical, real way, I raise myself, but I'm also raising the Yitzhahara at the same time. And we're still going to be in big trouble. And he gave, gave us this, this, this very, 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 uh, um, like a scathing analogy over here of the person who tries to make it through Elul with, without intense, uh, intense Muslim study is the guy who's trying to see without eyes, the guy who's trying to hear without ears. You can try all you want. You can try as long as you want, but it's never going to work. It's never going to go. You're lacking the right equipment. Moses is the only equipment that's going to get us to make that transformation. So let's continue. We see a paragraph where Yisrael follows up on this and, and gives us a few interesting insights and clues into how Yisrael is thinking and how he's looking at things. Key. is Says Yisrael, it's impossible to really capture the 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 difference between what it cannot be overstated and and we can't can't really overemphasize the difference that even, he says it again over here, even a little bit of Musr makes, even a little bit of, rather, not Musr, even a little bit of change accomplishes, even a little bit of of making myself someone who's now receptive to understanding Yom Kippur, receptive to understanding the, the trouble that we're in, even doing that by a very small degree, um, cannot be said enough how much of a difference that will make in the long run and how much that will affect me in, in a positive way. And how do you do that? In order to achieve even just making a little bit of, of, of movement, a little bit of an opening, a little bit of receptiveness to how serious the situation is, the person has to, again, sit down and make time for learning Musr. Sit down and Musr learn now, what was the point of this paragraph? There's a few things going on. I mean, we already know, Rabbi Saul already made a very serious pitch for Musr. We already know that with that Musr, you're trying to, you're trying to see without eyes, you're trying to hear without 
ears, you're trying to eat shalant, that a shalant bowl, you just don't have the equipment, right? We already know that, and we already know that this is the only way, the exclusive way, the the absolute um, irreplaceable way to with non-substitutable way to achieve real changes in my life. So what's he doing with the five lines that we just read? He's talking about you, that, that um, you can't say enough what you accomplish even with a little bit and you have to do that through Musser. What is the function of this paragraph? So there's really two things that we see in this paragraph. Um, first we see where Yisrael's focus is really set. And we know that the um, the Yom HaDin of, of Rosh Hashanim Kippur is working on two levels. Um, it, it really is a discussion in the Rishonim, the Meseches Rosh Hashanah. What are we being judged on in Rosh Hashanah? Taisus, a long Taisus about over there, the Rishonim weigh in on this. Um, the Din of Rosh Hashanah is, um, is on Olam Hazar and Olam Haba. Rosh Hashanah Kippur. Big, good, big hack, big hack. We're not going to get into that hack right now. Not going to get into that hack right now, but um, the way we look at it is it's both. We look at it as it's both, that we're being judged not only for um, everything this coming year, the quality of life for this coming year, that's what we're being judged on under Shoshana, and that we're being sealed in on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah Right, written and sealed. Not just for the quality of life for this coming year. The Sefer Chaim Toivo, Bracha, Sefer Chaim Vashon, Parnosa Toivo. Good life, happy life, wealthy life, healthy life. But also certainly being affected by that judgment with regards to Elam Haba. Because... Yom Kippur is the case, Yom Kippur is the day that's reserved once a year to achieve atonement, to achieve forgiveness. And when we get that atonement and forgiveness, we're in a good place with regards to Elam Haba, our standing in the world to come. When Chas Shalmiyyid doesn't achieve forgiveness on Yom Kippur, then Again, his did for the coming year, notwithstanding. Maybe, he's, maybe for whatever reason, he was able to pull off to get a, pull this off to get an amazing coming year here in this world. But if you leave him Kipper with all the averas in tow still, and you're 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 pulling, you're schlepping all your all your garbage behind you still, you didn't really achieve the slichu mechilu kaparo that Yom Kippur was supposed to give you. You're in big trouble with regards to Elam Haba. You're in very very big trouble. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the way we look at it, to do them together, we really need um, to two oif. We need to be very accomplished and very productive. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not just vis-a-vis with regards to the coming year, here, down here, the quality of life, the health factor and the wealth factor and, 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 and productivity and success, but certainly with regards to Elam Haba. Now, it's interesting that you ask people, you ask people, and again, remember, this is where we're all talking about Elul. We have to, you know, with all the souls in the we always have to take, as with any learning, really, anything in learning, anything in Torah, we always have to maintain the forest take and the trees take. The forest perspective and the trees perspective, the zooming in and zooming out, you know, what's going on immediately line by line, but what was the bigger picture, what's the greater discussion? Remember the greater discussion over here of this Mikhtav, of Yudal, is if Yisrael is trying to figure out how come we don't take Elul seriously anymore, and he sees that Elul has to be that catalyst 
to get us to take the days of judgment seriously. He's trying to help us use Elul to use our time to use Hashana and Yom Kippur productively and seriously. So that, that, that's the that's the overall theme of this Mikhtav over here. He's trying to help us get into the Elul frame of mind. He's trying to help us take Elul seriously. And we know that Elul is a build-up towards Rosh Hashanah, is a build-up towards Yom Kippur. Everybody knows that, and everybody knows we want to take it seriously. But if you ask your average year on the street, what are we really concerned about? What are we busy with? Someone who knows, he knows at least he's supposed to take it seriously, even though he's not taking it seriously. The day of judgment is coming. Rosh Hashanah is, is nigh. Yom Kippur approacheth. We gotta take it seriously. Why do we have to take it seriously? What do we have to be so concerned about? What would your average you'd say? What's the big deal? So just, you know, go sleep, go to sleep, and wake up after Sukkot. What, what, what are we concerned about? What do we have to, what are we being judged for? What's lying in the balance? Our lives. Our lives. Excellent, excellent answer. That's what everybody will tell you. Not just 99 out of 100, 100 out of 100. A 99 out of 99. I'll tell you the same thing. It means, it means not the right Concerns about our lives. And then what do we mean when we say our lives? Our, our lives. In fact, Baruch Hashem, we're all here around this table. We're all alive. Baruch Hashem should continue to keep us alive. Quality of life. Good life. Healthy life. Productive life. Successful life. Happy life. That's what we're concerned about, right? Nobody, nobody will tell you that we have to be concerned about Adam Habo. Who's thinking about Adam Haba and Rosh Hashanah Kippur? Who's thinking about the world to come? Who's thinking about burning off all of our Averis so that whenever, after 120, when we arrive in the Olam Ames, we're going to have the Gishmak Olam Haba? Nobody's thinking about that. We're all thinking about We're all sittering. And we're, all, we're all panicking and nervous about life. As the Olam said, life means life down here. Nobody meant life up there. No, not, not a single one of you. I didn't mean that either. We mean life down here. Of course, that's what we mean. We think about life. We think about life down here. No one is thinking about the world to come, the afterlife, the afterlife on Rosh Hashanah Kippur. But as we just pointed out, the judgment is for both. The judgment on Rosh Hashanah Kippur is for the life and for the afterlife. Everybody's focus is on the life. Nobody's focus is on the afterlife, even though the judgment is on both. Now, why is it we put so much focus on the life? Because it's very understandable. It's immediate. It's present. We connect with that. Real life, right? It's real life. Life is real. Everything about life is real, and that's real life, and that's that's what we know, that's what we, we experience, and that's what we that's what we think about all the time, that's what we worry about all the time, because that's what's palpable. That's what's immediate and present. So our when we do get into Rosh Hashanah, when we do get into Yom Kippur, when we do get into Elul, the focus is always about, as we just said, life, which is life down here. If we look at Yerushal, Yerushal is not thinking about that. Yerushal's concern is actually not life down here. It's the afterlife. It's the afterlife. <clears throat> That's Rabbi Yisrael's concern over here. And um, the emiss is, this is a common theme of Rabbi Yisrael's focus, is trying to help us take the afterlife seriously. And, and, and that's one of the functions of this paragraph over here, is he's trying to get us, he knows that the immediate connection to Elul Roshan Yom Kippur for us is Taka of the life, not the afterlife. He's trying to get us to use that as an access point, a transfer rather, to be able to transfer that concern, that energy to the afterlife, because that's really what he what he's concerned about, and that's really what he wants us to be concerned about, which is which is very eye opening, very very eye opening. 
It's the total opposite of our approach, as we all just said. And, you know, that is our approach. Our approach is we make an avoida out of the immediate and present life. That's where our avoida is in Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. That's where our worries are, our concentration is, it's what we're davening, it's what we're crying about. Yisrael really wants us to be crying and davening about the uh, the afterlife, about our fates in Elam Haba. <coughs> and uh, this is, as we said, this is a sheet that he has, really an approach to life in general, approach to Muslim in general, it comes up in his other mikhtavim. And, um, you know, he's famous for having said, you know, he was asked, um, there's a big, a big, there's a, a, a discussion a little bit. Was Yisrael, did Yisrael learn um, Kabbalah? Yisrael Salanter. He was a genius. Genius is an understatement, right? Yisrael was well known for, for being, a, you know, having, having, a, having a high level mind. And, um, what? People still question his expertise in all areas of the Torah. Yeah, but it was well known that Lamaisa, you know, the, there's a story with him that he came to give Shir. He used to, when he was establishing the, the Muslim movement, you know, he needed to establish, legitimize himself in the yeshiva world as, uh, you know, I'm just not just a fanatic who is trying to, you know, get everyone to learn Shai Tshuva all day, nor Chasadikim. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a Tamachacham, I'm a Tamachacham, um, and with, with, a, with a, a Tamudist, who believes in this to to um, give a like a balanced, um, a legitimate, a legitimized um, approach to Musar and to show everyone that that's part of the balance of being a Tamachacham. He used to grant yeshivas giving uh, lectures, Talmudic lectures. That everyone knows this Maisa. It's a famous Maisa. He was he went to yeshiva and they posted they posted on the bulletin board the list of topics he was going to be speaking about. Mar and some troublemaker in the yeshiva, an opponent of the Muslim movement, um, the morning, that morning he switched them around. He put up a different list. So the whole yeshiva prepared a different list of topics in advance of Rabbi Salantashir. He came in, he looked at the bulletin board, he saw the list was a very different list. Totally different topics, totally unrelated sources, unrelated um, subject matter, not at all what he had come and planned and prepared to give shir on. He looked at it, you know, studied it for a few seconds, saw the list, and walked up to the podium. And on his way to the podium, was busy with these, uh, you know, shuffling around all these sources in his mind, got up to the podium and gave a, uh, an hour's lecture on the new sources that were, were, there were these, this random list of sources that he only seen, you know, a minute or two previously, came up and gave a shi'a on it. And then he gave his pitch for Musser. Um See, he was, he was, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's established. It's really established. That's been already, like, I think, agreed upon. Back in the day, yes, even the people, that was part of the challenge people had against Rabbi Sol, but it's, Rabbi Sol was, was, um, tremendous Tamachacham. The question if, if he, if he was a Makubal, that is actually discussed. Was he, did he delve into Kabbalah? Did he not delve into Kabbalah? And one of the, one of the sources in this controversy, I mean, there's those who maintain that Kabbalah is part of Torah. So if you're going to be a Tamachacham, you have to learn Kabbalah also. There's sources for that. And there's other sources in Shulchan Aruch that seems to indicate it's optional. You don't have to learn Kabbalah. This is a discussion of Yisrael Dirna. And part, part of the, 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 the sources on the table for this discussion is a quote from Yisrael himself. When Yisrael is approached by someone, and uh, the person asked him, you know, to, to, has he learned to Kisvei Ha'ari? Has he learned to say for... Um, 
Eitzchayim from Reb Chaim Vital is, is you know where, where is he holding in his study of Kabbalah? So Reb Yisrael said back. There's a quote that they have on the record from Reb Yisrael. He said, he said, um, I don't believe, I don't believe that when I get up to Shemayim, um, they're going to have complaints against me for not exactly understanding how this, that, or the other um, topics in Kabbalah work. This Midah, this Sphira, I don't believe they're going to have Tainas Amin Shemayim. That I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is that I'm going to, when I get to Shemayim, they're going to say, Bishol, how come you didn't dive in better? How come you didn't learn better? How come you didn't do this much better? I'm concerned about getting patch, getting beaten up when I get to Shemayim. That's what I'm concerned about. That's where I put my, my efforts and energy. So this is a, a statement that he that he gave as a response to this question. But it could be he was just trying to be a Nister, exactly. So we don't really know. We don't really know. But but what we do see from that story, the reason I I, I brought this up now this morning, not to get into uh, this the great debate of Israel Makubal or not a Makubal, but you see again from this story that Rabbi Yisrael's focus was on Eilun Haba. That, that's really what you see from this story. Did he learn Kabbalah? Did he not? You don't, you, there's no way of knowing from the story. So Rabbi Aronson is pointing at. Generally, um, generally, Chamuke um, Yirei as the Gemara says, there's a kind of limud which is supposed to be Kept b'seiser, like the Yirei Chaim Gemara says. There's Chochmas Hanister. It's called Nister. You're supposed to be mastered. Yes, but people don't advertise that they're mekubalim. People don't. The people who do advertise, we have, that's what the people do avoid, right? The Kabbal Institutes um, and the Kabbalists, the people. Two months practical Kabbalah. That's right. That's right. Our two month course. Sign up right now for our two month course. Um, you see advertisements for Kabbalah. You run the other way. Rabba really run the other way. Don't even go near them. Um, that's a mahalach. People that know Kabbalah don't, don't advertise it. Rabbi Shol would not advertise it. If he knew Kabbalah, that's moot. That's not our discussion this morning. But our discussion this morning is Rabbi Shol's focus was not on Elam Hazeh. It's not Elam Haba. That really was his focus. And his, his concern for Kala Yisrael was a concern for what's going to be with all these even when they get to Elam Haba. And the Musr movement of Rabbi Shol is to improve the lives of every Yid down here so that when they get to Eilam Haba, they're Shleimim. They, they have Shleimus. They're Duchkemach. They're, they're, they're they are worked out and worked through and through. They, they are Shleimim. Perfected Yidin. So when they get to Eilam Haba, they're able to be at one with the Rebbeinu Shleimim. And this is what this is really the point of that statement that he was saying back to this fellow. He was giving him Musr in this response. Like, yeah, Kabbalah's Gishmah. Kabbalah's amazing. But... Are you davening better today than you davened yesterday? Are you learning better today than you learned better than you learned yesterday? Are you a better Jew? Do you have better interpersonal relationships? Are you better to other people today than you were yesterday? That's what the focus is, and the the objective of that focus is eternal menucha in the world of eternity, which is Elam Haba. This was. What was pushing him, and this was, you know, what what um, was was uh, fueling his crusade to to perfect, to bring Musar to all his brethren, to all of Jewry, was a concern about you know people are just in in this in this stupor and and in this slumber, and it's not just their Eilam Hazed that's in jeopardy; it's what lies in the, in the land of the eternal. 
their eternity, which is in jeopardy. What's going to be when, 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 when they have to face their maker, when they have to weigh in what their eternity is going to look like, what's going to be. We're here for Olam Haba, we're here for Shlemus, for perfection. This, you see, this is Yisrael's some focus in, in wanting our perfection is eternity starts here. And, and, and the world to come starts in the current world. Olam Haba starts in Olam Hazah. If we don't work ourselves out now, we're going to be in big trouble in Olam Haba. You, you do see this popping up here and there in different places in Zimichtavim. And we just saw this over here. This, it's laced into this paragraph. The Bishol is telling us that really, you know, it, although it's, it's, it's um, a good way to get hooked into Musr, into Musr study by our concern for what's immediate and present, what's what our concern for our welfare in this world. That hooks us in, for sure, because we relate to that, and that's where we live, but that's just a hook. It's a hook, and it's supposed to be transferred to our concern for our welfare in the world to come. You know, there's another story with the Salanter. He had, unfortunately, a son who went off the derech. And, um, you know, we said the other day that the Lipkins generally come from Israel Salanta. I think they say as well. I don't know if there's any Lipkins, unfortunately, that are, maybe there are now, I don't know, I don't know. But for uh, most of Israel's descendants for, um, uh, were from, he has a son, had a son, who uh, went off the derech. I think more than one child, I think. I think, I don't want to say that with authority, authoritativeness without investigating it, but, but at least one son... And the way I remember hearing it said over is more than one son. And so he had a son that was fry, a son that was caught up in the uh, the Enlightenment uh, in Europe, a son that was that, that was not shayim retirementis, a son of Yisrael Salanter. And uh, so the son didn't keep Shabbos, didn't keep kosher. And Yisrael once met with his son, and he told his son, you know, in a very emotional, very impassioned way, he said. So I just have one request for you. I said, I know keeping kosher is not your thing. But if you could just do me a toivo, he said. I'm asking you as a father who cares about you, who cares about your your, your um, welfare. When you eat treif, eat it less than a kazais at a time. Yes, the son. Eat less than a kazais at a time. He said, because you can't imagine the... the um, the um, difference that makes to the damage that you're doing to your soul when you have less than a kazai as opposed to a whole kazai. And you showed the son, you know, how much berach a kazai is. He said, please eat less than a kazai at a time. Less than a kazai is we call chati shir. You're not doing the iser. You don't get malchus for that. It's still oser, but it's not a lav. And since it's not a lav, the araisa, you don't get malchus for it. It's, it's, it's a less potent um, form of... Um, of, uh, you know, wrongdoing. And he said to his son, please have, you know, when you eat your, you know, your chazer, when you eat your bus of chalav, when you're eating your, uh, whatever you're eating, please, please, please have it less than kazais at a time, because you have no idea how much that will spare your soul from, from additional suffering and torment. It's again, again, his concern, I don't, I don't know, I wasn't not macabre, what if son listened or didn't listen, but his concern was Eilam Haba. That was his concern. With his son as well, his son's neshama, his son's eternity. He's concerned about his son's eternity. He's concerned about our eternity as well. So we see that over here. Let's see that again. Let's, we see that coming out land clear from Yisrael. He actually is 
you can't imagine the difference of Yisrael for us to be spared from the major punishments, major suffering, which is in the world to come. The difference that it makes in us being spared from major suffering when we take Yom Kippur a little bit. So, right off the bat, Rabbi Saul's concern is is Olam um, Ha-Ba. Not Olam ha And he's telling us that uh, if we take Yom Kippur at least a little bit more seriously, then thank you. You cannot imagine the difference that will make. Okay? So that, that's one very, you know, very serious idea that we see with Saul. Again, his Yerushamayim and his real, real objective is, is, um, is the real suffering. And he says the real suffering is in the world to come. And we, we, none of us relate to it that way, because we all relate to, where is real suffering, you know, when I have to deal with, uh, car problems, when I have to deal with money problems, when I have to deal with health problems. Now all these problems are real problems, but according to Saul, this is the small stuff. This is the clean, the clinicitan. The real stuff is in the world to come. Somebody for eternity is in big trouble. For eternity is in, is is diseased. For eternity has fallen short of where he can really 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 find himself. Those are the real problems. The real problems is in the world to come. That really puts things in perspective for us. And once more, he says also in this paragraph, even just a little bit of improvement goes a long way. Maat gavayosav even if it just gets us to open up ourselves up a little bit, that is making a huge diminishment in our potential suffering in the world to come. Why a little bit? So here we have the same Yusoy we had in the beginning of the Mikhtav. A little Musr goes a long way. Why? Because the whole point of what we want really, Elzman, is to leave the comfort zone. And the moment we left the comfort zone, even a little bit, even a little bit, that's transformation. That's breaking out of routine. That's breaking out of slumber when we are able to leave our comfort zone even a little bit. We've broken out of routine. We've broken out of the the snare of the Yetzir Hara, who wants us to remain exactly where we are, you know, Ba'asher Husham. And that happens even with a little bit of movement. So as we said, if a person forces himself to get up five minutes earlier, forces himself to stay five minutes later, forces himself to learn in, 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 in Seder five minutes beyond when he's, when, when, when the clock, when the clock, uh, you know, when the buzzer goes off, when he stays five minutes later at somebody's simcha just to make the guy happy, that's a, a, a little bit. We're only talking about five minutes, but it's enormous in terms of it represents leaving a comfort zone. When you leave a comfort zone, you've transformed yourself. That transformation will go, will go, you know, light years in terms of, 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 uh, the change that we're looking for and in terms of the the self improvement work and and getting us towards fulfilling that objective that Yisrael has for us, which is uh, putting us in a better place, not just in this world but in the world to come. Okay, very good. So that's that's that. Mr. Shem, we will continue tomorrow, um, and everyone should have a wonderful today.